Hi, everybody. Welcome to the next podcast on Trechnobabble. This is Matthew. And this is Kevin. And we are going to do Deep Space Nine, uh, Season 4, the episode titled Hard Time. Um, you know, this is sort of another in a litany of uh, let's see how much we can do to Chief O'Brien episodes. Um, I mean, there, have there only been two so far? There's the one where we gave him the plague. And what else have we done to Chief O'Brien? Um, visionary. We had him traveling through time. Oh, yeah. And we also had the uh, duplicate Chief O'Brien. And, and uh, we had him arrested for, for Maquis crimes he did not commit. Okay. So this is the fifth in a series, which won't end here. Uh, there's going to be more of putting Chief O'Brien through the ringer. Um, you know, it probably needs to be said that there are similarities in this story. Uh, to two previously uh, done Trek tales, uh, TNG's The Inner Light and Voyager's Ex Post Facto. Uh, so it sort of combines this notion of uh, false memories, uh, you know, living an, an extremely long amount of time in just the space of an hour or something, and then uh, punishment via implanted memories, you know, for a crime. Uh, so... It remains to be seen uh, how much it new is done with these ideas because it has kind of been done already, uh, maybe not quite this way. Uh, so we should keep an eye on how original it is and you know how much new ground is sort of broken by it. Okay, um, yeah, I, I remember liking this episode. I, I think it, um, I think in the balance, it, it's sufficiently adult. In its, uh, in its execution that uh, I think uh, I remember this thinking of the similarities of ex post facto it, it oddly didn't occur to me um, the, of the inner light similarities because, which is ironic because I, I remember reading the I was looking over the guest star list I believe the woman who plays the alien at the in the teaser the one responsible for this is the actress who played uh, Picard's wife in the inner light oh really it's kind of difficult to tell through the makeup, I right, guess. Right, um, right. Well, I, I'm ready to get started. Okay, so we will press play simultaneously. Get ready at home, and we will press play together in three, two, one. Press play. So this set is interesting. It's like rocky. It's like a cave with some sort of, you know, mechanical wall or mechanical door uh it's well done i like it i like yeah. the lighting I, I figure it was like a pit or something yeah it's kind of reminiscent of a, a prison in spartacus the 1961 uh kirk douglas movie this kind of looks like the baryon suite doesn't it yeah the uh, art department guys did a good job with those uh sand designs yeah yeah I kind of wonder why they're not bigger. <laughs> yeah. I guess we don't know how often these decontamination sweeps happen, but, um, you know, like maybe it would cover the whole floor. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how much, uh, you know, sort of deep psychology we get. Apparently Robert Hewitt Wolf's uh, wife was a practicing psychologist, hmm. so she offered a lot of insight. Oh, yeah, I can see on her mouth. Quite the uh, 
hair design. Yeah. Well done. It doesn't look fake, and his beard doesn't look fake either. No, no, that is, that looks like crazy person beard. I wonder what a cycle is. Do you think it's a year? I mean, I guess he does say it's. Uh, yeah. You know, it's been twenty years. So it's a nice uh, sort of indication of the psychological damage of something like that. Um, yeah. You know, like he doesn't even want to leave. Yeah. It's an interesting sort of like hamster wheel contraption. Yeah, I, I always thought the actual, like the, the, the wheel thing, it was like one of those like slightly too complicated props, you know? <laughs> well, I imagine it was like some sort of fancy design chair from the 80s or something. Yeah. That they, uh, just repurposed. Okay, so yeah, he, he, he confirmed there that it's been 20 years. Okay, so there, there's a bunch of things I like about this episode and its implications. Like, if if we were to develop this punishment, I think we'd view it as, as a boom. Um, you know, far well, less yeah, expensive. And, and she says that it's, uh, you know, much more efficient than actually maintaining prisons, so sure. But and, and then obviously as the episode progresses, we learn you know maybe it's not as as humane as um, as they might think it is. I wonder how they model a punishment to fit someone's personality. Yeah. <laughs> do they make them do like a Scantron test beforehand, or right. maybe they have a psychotactic or a, what was it the psychotronic stimulator test? Yeah. And a part of what I like um, about this episode from the start is this makes the second time that Chief O'Brien's been falsely accused of committing a crime. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we just dispense with that. P part of, um, you know, in, hum in American legal system is especially the, the more severe the punishment, the more swings at the bat you get or, you know, sw uh, you know, it, it swings at the plate that makes you my metaphors but yeah like for the death penalty you automatically get certain appeals you're almost never out of chances to try until the very very end some years down the line for other forms of punishment even by the time you would get your second chance the punishment's been done with so it's like there's something interesting about a punishment that severe that could be executed so quickly as to negate even the possibility of appeal which, as a lawyer, just, just fascinates me. Um, again, it seems to be uh, Kira and O'Brien, you know, off on some trip. I mean, if I were Chief O'Brien at this point, I wouldn't leave the station. Yeah, I wouldn't leave my quarters. <laughs> His ability to just sort of screw up the courage to, to wake up in the morning is admirable he's a de he, he's a dependable irishman that's his that's his character he's like he's a you know the the workhorse and the and the punching bag um you know i have to say they do it with enough space between the episodes that i always enjoy watching these episodes it, you know it you know we all like chief o'brien i think i mean there is something well there's a reason they keep 
doing it. Like, I, I still feel it. I, I, I never get, oh, this is like, it, it's not like the Troy Possession episode where it's like, oh, this again. I always go, oh, this makes me sad. That's sort of the same reason they keep kicking the shit out of Worf, you know? Yeah. It never stops being a good storytelling technique. And again, we have, uh, you know, Keiko as the faithful wife. Yeah. It's been a while since since she's been on the show. Yeah. You got to wonder how she gets out of bed in the morning every time her husband leaves. The, it's, it's like being married to a cop. <laughs> so I, I, I like where the episode is focusing from the beginning rather than a did he or didn't he do it? Is this punishment fair? Is it not? We've just we're just dealing with the consequences, and yeah. I think that was the correct tack to take because we haven't done that before. Like, if nothing else, one one of the things we wanted to see about the inner light was how the hell does Picard go on with his life? This has to be a jarring psychological event, and the episode ends before we get to explore that. This is kind of that exploration. That's a nice effect through the window there. Yeah, the the, the reflection of the panels is really good. I Kira seems like she should be more mad, you know? And I'm not saying I want to return to shouty Kira, but... Well, I, I kind of liked her there. Like, she was doing the thing people do in the face of tragedy when it's the, I'm going to insist everything, like, we're home. You're home now. This is home. This is reality. Like, you just keep repeating that everything's going to be okay as your natural response to try to make everything okay. It's some really nice acting by Alexander Siddig. Um, you know, he he's sort of observant, but also very empathetic. Yeah. Well, when they let him act like a doctor and a grown-up, he's, you know, a good actor and an interesting character. Yeah. Apparently this was Alexander Singer's final episode as a director. Uh, let's see what else he's done. And and um, I, I like the way I like that they're clearly um, what's what sort of, like that uh, they're giving. Bashir sort of the reins here and that he's saying things like we don't want to overwhelm you like like I like that they're anchoring this in the the medical response to this trauma yeah so you know we're eight minutes in and we're getting a flashback now which I you know I like because I do think the episode would have been kind of boring if we hadn't gotten any uh of the yeah. prison scenes yeah and, and so it's an artful structure. We also know from the beginning that he's lying. Like, literally from the beginning. We know that he says he was alone, and we know that from the moment he got there, he was not. Yeah. I mean, that, that adds... The unreliable narrator structure is very good. Has this actor been in something else? Because he looks kind of familiar through the makeup, but it could, you know, it could be anything. Well, let's take a look. Um, this is the Echar character, Craig Wasson. Uh, he has not been in other Star Trek. 
and I am going to uh, <laughs> make a wager that you have not seen him in anything else, okay. given the things listed here. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Body Double, uh, James Madison in A More Perfect Union, America Becomes a Nation. No. Uh, also appeared in Spike Lee's Malcolm X, which is a great movie, but I certainly don't remember him. Yeah. Okay, I also like the exploration of what actually happened, uh, of the mechanics of um, uh, of what he experienced. So rather than merely have a false memory, he exper he experienced at an accelerated rate the experiences, and that's why it's not possible to simply remove them because it's not a fake memory living there. From his perspective, it's a real memory, and that that one that's just great writing. That that is thoughtful writing especially for a science fiction show, given the number of times we have otherwise um, <clears throat> just deleted memories. And, oh, oh, oh my God, oh my God, look, continuity, con it's great. We mentioned the Cardassian War, um, Whispers, and Tribunal in the last 30 seconds. Thank you, writers. Thank yeah. you. Great I mean, work. It's, it's kind of hanging a lantern on the, you know, <laughs> yeah. Chief O'Brien trope. They oh, should do this every episode. And okay, I mean, obviously the the list of actors that it almost becomes you know repetitive for us to praise grows ever longer. And Colmini's obviously on this list. His PTSD acting is just fucking great. Well, it's like this vacant, faraway stare. Yeah, he that that is the million mile stare of a combat veteran, and it's amazing. It's just it's so good. It's just this is. This is what I remember being affected by when I watched this as a, as a kid. Like, there's just something jarring and horrifying about just the idea of it, and then seeing him so obviously jumpy and scared and hallucinating and distant. That's that's affecting. Yeah, the hallucination there of Ichar in place of his wife was yeah. pretty freaky. And, and, and technically very well executed. This is uh, the first we've heard of her pregnancy. Isn't that the case? No, I want to say, I think... Um, no, there, there was an earlier episode. I'm trying to remember, because we've, we haven't uh, done a... I think it's, it's after Bar Association, because that's what we're, we were, we're working on the review for. So I think it's, it's after that, because I don't think they just snuck it in that, uh, that she was pregnant. Also, on, on a little separate uh, production note, I, I like Keiko's uh, outfit. The little detail on the collar I really liked. Boy, I wish doing the dishes were that easy. No shit, right? See, and this is, this is what I like. Like, all these little notes of this, like, forcible return to normalcy it's it's it, it's a very natural reaction to the to someone else's trauma so like it, it, there's a lot of depth to the storytelling i mean i i will say obviously i think uh robert hewitt wolf's wife you know made valuable contributions because they they nailed not just o'brien 
but they nailed everyone else's reactions to O'Brien. Everything, everything here, and this is something, you know, I've come to realize this more as an adult. Everything here is just really authentic. Nothing is melodramatic. Nothing is cheap. And that's, that's what's interesting about it for me. Uh, and just, I mean, even like the prop acting here, the, the way he picks food off his plate with like this nervous, habitual energy, like it just, it just I can't praise the, the small choices in this episode enough. Like there's just, just everything was, everything here is very real and it really sells what's otherwise a pretty high concept science fiction idea. So that cut to the um, flashback was different. Mm-hmm. You know, it just sort of happened right away. You know, the previous cut was uh, it had a dialogue sort of lead in. Right. I always. Do you think um, we're is this just a narrative hook that you know, like we're just looking back at things that happened, or do you think that O'Brien is reeks is like having the flashback that we're watching i don't feel like he is having the flashback i think it's a narrative hook you know they okay they introduced the food idea and now they're showing us okay food, i mean I, I would accept either explanation like I, he, I don't think there's anything in the episode where it's like clear we're watching o'brien have a flashback i was just curious what your what you thought but i think it's better uh if it's not a flashback that he's experiencing directly because that would be too cute you know yeah. how do you really have memories of things like this you know you don't remember long extended scenes well you know? uh, if nothing else none of my memories involve a, a dolly shot of the entire room you know yeah I will say that there's not really enough sand. You can see bare spots on the yeah. floor. They did a really good job with the facial hair because he's got like like this is the appropriate beard. Yeah, there's not really any, any indication of facilities, is there? Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's no bathrooms on the non-prison parts of Star Trek, so. Well, I guess with the decontamination thing, it would, like, vaporize anything like that. Maybe they go in the corner. I don't yeah. know. I, I like, I really liked watching these scenes. Like, I, there's something about the, and, and maybe this was a, the fact that it is a thinner layer of sand than, um, uh, than, like, a full, like, like a beach or something. Um, but there's something f- interesting about watching them build the patterns. I, 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 I thought for, for the, for, it was an interesting narrative choice that I think succeeded, um, for what it was supposed to be. So you know the science fiction idea that you could implant memories like this and have them be real, it does raise philosophical questions. Uh, you know, People would call this philosophy of mind. 
sorts of issues. Mm -hmm. You know, what, who is Miles O'Brien? You know, well, Miles O'Brien is the sum total of the memories that he's had, and it's an unbroken string. And uh, so this is really a part of him now, this 20 years. Um, and they're really not different uh, than memories he has had. Right. And so what would it mean to try to uh, retroactively assign certain of your memories a different status than other memories? Uh, and I suppose this is the kind of thing that PTSD survivors uh, have to do. You know, they have to make it uh, so that certain classes of memories are more important to them than others or something. Yeah. Um, I will say I did love just great acting. Great, like, you know, the, this is the, that like quiet moment of her just putting the blanket on him is like one of the payoffs of like the last, you know, five or six years of their, you know, being a couple. It's just such a, it's such a quiet little scene, but it's just really affecting. Um, I think in part just because, you know, Rosalind Chow is a good actress and, they obviously have a, you know, good rapport. Just little stuff like that is great. So the idea of him forgetting how to score darts is interesting. It's another HR appearance. And they're the the hallucinations are really good. They're not they're not schlocky. They're they're well, and they're, it's not like the uh, orb visions or something. Right, right. Ah, you know, thank God. You know, there's no soft focus, you know, there, it's real-time, no slow-mo, you know. And that makes it more real, you know, yeah. which makes it yeah. more immediate. It makes right. it less obvious that it's, you know, oh, we're reminding you that you are no longer in reality. Hey, here's another guy who hasn't shown up in a long time. Yeah. Um, and this is another nice continuity touch that... Uh, you know, Jake worked with O'Brien, and it's like an act of friendship that he would, you know, work with O'Brien to get a backup speed. Now, obviously, I don't think he could get O'Brien all the way, but it's nice to see. I do have kind of a hard time believing that Jake remembers 20... what these are. Well, well, that, but that even 20 intervening years could, you know, make 20 or 30 years of experience, which presumably he has with these sorts of pieces of equipment, uh, go away. Yeah. I like this prop. <laughs> so it's, this is, this is today's obligatory, um, Star Trek into darkness slam. When you have a clear piece of plastic, you have to put a contrasting color on it. <laughs> done. I'm done. I'm done. Um, for those of you at home, Kevin and I had like a 45-minute discussion of how much in the darkness sucks prior to this podcast. We can't help it. Hey, here, there's that guy. Uh, yeah, what was it? Uh, Enrique. Uh, uh, eh, he has a good run of being a guest star. Uh, it's nice that they're building you know, some of his staff. Yeah. Because otherwise it makes him seem like the like the chief peon right. on the station right. as opposed to a department head. Right, right. I wish we had seen Counselor 
tell Nori. Yeah, I would have liked that. Oh, there, there we go. Lack of toilet facilities, okay. This dialogue is just, it's really good. It's really organic. His anger is at the appropriate level. Like, it just... I, I do. I think this is this is really well achieved. Actually, I, I should take back what I said earlier about sort of treating memories as not real. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, this dialogue is really good because it's hinting at the kind of thing that he had with the Echar character. Yeah. Um, anyway, I should take back what I said about forgetting memories because. I believe the uh, usual method of treating PTSD is to actually uh, relive the memories, you know, and try to associate them with, you know, less uh, distressing reactions. Well, like the, the the problem of a PTSD attack is your body re-experiences it as the problem is it's not a memory. The reason you like when you the the way you remember things. Like, when you retell a story, obviously it loses some of the details. Your brain remembers just the details you tell. That's why memories have a different flavor than, you know, the thing you're experiencing right now. A PTSD event, you, you your body can't think of it as a memory. It just experiences it as what's happening. That There's a reason that the car backfiring sounds like a gunshot and your body responds the same way. So finding a way to make those memories into memories is is the is the problem what's interesting here is that they're making o'brien the less likable of the characters yeah you know like each is staying calm yeah and i would be pretty annoyed with o'brien at this yeah, point yeah yeah Yeah, so anyway, uh, the idea that Counselor Telnori is making him go through the stories over and over is actually more consistent with the, uh, I think you'd call it cognitive behavioral therapy yeah. uh, to deal with PTSD. Yeah. Uh, you, you relive the moment and you try to recognize when you're having these feelings and you sort of, you know, you deal with them. interesting direction here you know to indicate the busyness and crowdedness they're yeah. following cork with the camera yeah they did a good job with the extras especially like you know not just you know human you know bunch of aliens right at the bar so good good extra work there and, and i will say that this was a place they could really have gone off the rails or made it unrealistic the the increasing violence like his he snapped it um 
Bashir and then he lashed out at Quark. Like it, it, it's it's the arc is good. Whenever he orders Synthale, it's always just Synthale. You know, there's no it's synth. Not like a particular brand of synthale. Right. There, there, well, there's also apparently no uh, synth lager or a synth stout. Yeah. And this really does look more like a pilsner than an ale, but yeah. whatever. There, there are light ales. There are, there are blonde looking ales, I suppose. Like to order a synth Hefeweizen, please? Yeah. <laughs> So this scene is very effective because now he's talking to the hallucination. Yeah. I also I, I also like um, seeing Quark tell Odo like it's it's clear that everyone seems to be giving him a wide berth because of this, but obviously they have to do something. So I think the the, the reactions like everyone else's reactions as much as O'Brien's are perfectly pitched as what it looks like when someone you love suffers a trauma it's it's just really well done and i can't i can't say that enough because that's part of what makes this episode so interesting is watching everyone else's also credible reaction it's so it's interesting that the hr hallucination is acting sort of like the voice of reason. Yeah. You know, I'm worried about you. And so this is a portion of his own personality. I wonder if Keiko is taking time off of work. Yeah. One thing that kind of bothers me is that they never talk about pharmaceutical intervention. Hmm. You know? No, and, I, I think they do at the end. Well, by no means am I, you know, some advocate of always drugging people, but when someone is having this level of anxiety, you know, it can be the first step, you know, that sort of plugs the hole in the boat, you know, so that you can start bailing out the water with, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy you know and i, I think they actually I, I, like not to spoil the end of the episode i think uh they mentioned that that uh there like he gives o'brien a hypo spray and says this will take the edge off the depression so you can you know start working on all right you know, more well, stuff I, it just seems like you, you think they like would have done it now yes should have yes. been done already i mean especially as our understanding of PTSD as a, you know, both a psychological and a physiological event, you, you think uh, the 24th century would have found the combination of, of uh, medical intervention that would resolve it without also turning you into a zombie. Okay, something else that's good about this episode is everyone's concerned about O'Brien, everyone cares about O'Brien, but Cisco's not going to let him off the hook. Like, you know, he did attack Quark. 
That's not like a lot of times we tend to have problems with Starfleet officer flagrantly breaks the rules and there are no consequences. And here there were like Cisco, like I respect Cisco's command more because he is doing the correct thing in walking the line between being this man's friend and being this man's superior officer. So well done. Well done. Oh, just and throwing the combat that just little stuff like that just really sells the episode. Well, it's um, it's interesting that Cisco is willing to threaten him with imprisonment if he doesn't follow. <laughs> the, okay, uh, that might have been a bit far. You know, th this episode pays dividends on a lot of uh, O'Brien's relationships. Like, I, I think um, the Bashir stuff is really good because of their uh, their friendship. Yeah, so again, the HR character is, you know, appearing and... You know, taking the side of the people uh, who are trying to help him. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the urgency of the. Uh, I mean, he's he, he's essentially having an elongated PTSD attack, and it just it's just pitched really well. Like the the intensity builds both in terms of what he's experiencing, and how he's reacting. Like everything is getting worse at a narratively interesting rate. Well, the direction is, again, very good here, you know, with O'Brien sort of like going around corners and having him be... Or already around the corner. Around the corner already. Um, you know, it's, it's artfully done. Yeah. Yeah, Keiko's had a rough go with this marriage. Yeah. There's that time of First she had to live with his duplicate and like pretend to Yeah, I mean what her husband got possessed, threatened him with a phaser. Um yeah. the Borg. I mean Oh, that's right. That's another instance yeah. of yeah. O'Brien. And that that was an and and this the lashing out at the kid like there there's like a <laughs> you're a parent I'm sure there's times in which the sound of your child yelling or making noise of any kind must just be you know the last thing you want to hear right that second and it just just every it just the way they're building his breakdown is just great yeah you know it's uh, you know any parent watching. I mean, heck, I'm sure there are parents who are <laughs> less in control. Uh, not that I'm a paragon of control at all times, but, you know, the, the notion that he is losing control, it's uh, weapons locker number 47. <laughs> okay, 
Technical note, he has been relieved of duty. Shouldn't he not have the password for the phasers anymore? Just throwing that out there. Yeah, you know, you wonder kind of how these things would be done. You know, could you just send a signal that uh, yeah. everybody but him gets the email that yeah. talks about, you know, the new command codes or something? Or is it like a, you know, biometric yeah. kind of thing? I will say I, I like the uh, prop work on the phaser. The the green to yellow to red uh, was was well done. It's a new phaser prop, but I like it. Yeah, I mean, it fits with what we know about phaser power, you know. So this would be like the highest yeah yeah kill setting, which presumably would vaporize him. Yeah. I I kind of have to wonder whether they shouldn't be able to deactivate a phaser remotely too right I, I remember thinking this was a pretty mature approach to the topic of suicide as well because we, we've explored the kind the Klingon you know honor suicide twice now once okay-ish and once not okay-ish um, but there's something very restrained about like I, I think a lot of other episodes a, a lot of other TV shows when they depict an attempted at suicide tend to fall back on platitudes about seeking help and you know being like your family caring about like it just comes off a little you know platitude -y. this felt very mature and and this feels like Bashir being both his friend and a professional there's like a sense of Bashir is not just trying to be his friend to help him out of this there's a sense of you know as a doctor there's a protocol to the way you you interact in the situation and i so every everyone comes off as very concerned and professional here that's really good from the, from a narrative standpoint oh yeah his, his crying acting his like teared up look is amazing yeah yeah definitely there's a bit of a makeup snafu there uh his arm isn't green I gotta wonder why they didn't just like beam him. Yeah. Like if someone were were gonna kill himself with a phaser, we know that they can deactivate the phasers phaser in, transport. in a transporter beam. So uh, maybe like he would be able to hit the trigger too right, quickly right, or right. something. I don't know. So now we're back to a dialogue cue giving us the flashback. Yeah. For someone who doesn't eat, you know, every second or third day, he still looks pretty uh, robust. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, th those ruddy cheeks are genetic. Nothing can take them away. I suppose it's too much to ask an actor to lose 20 or 30 pounds in a, in a week one week of shooting well uh, um matthew mcconaughey has a new movie coming out where he did that he looks terrible it's really upsetting dormancy period
the um, psychological techniques the prisons are, the prison is using are also well done. You know, the, the inconsistent food, the all of that, like very very upsetting. Well, the thing about it is, is though that uh, this is something they've designed just for Chief O'Brien. You know, that's what they said at the beginning. Yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen like a like at least some discussion of a comparison of what like what the baseline experience is like for for the average Our, psychological yeah, right i mean we have to take this as being somehow especially keyed to punish o'brien in the worst way right yes, which is this w- like break him break him in such a way that he would commit what he understands to be a an, very immoral act like, like, but in and of himself as the man we've come to know, and it's just a Federation citizen in general, he would find the idea of killing another person for their food, you know, repugnant. Like, like if nothing else, the thing... Chief O'Brien values about himself is that he is a good man. Like that, that is that, that like that is how he views himself in the world. And the reason this this form of punishment will be so effective is that it seems specifically designed to take that from him. Well, this fits with uh, the wounded. Yeah. You know, oh, totally. His his biggest problem was that. Uh... I didn't think I thought the food prop looked a little too like that just looks like rye bread. How does he know that he was saving it for both of them? Yeah. I guess cuz there's two of everything. Yeah. Yeah, very good acting by Colmini. Um, what I like about his, uh, you know, sort of tearful acting is yeah. that it's not over the top. Yeah. You know, this is a guy who the tears are just coming, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've criticized, especially Rene Abergenois, uh, for. <coughs> sort of pain acting or sadness acting that was just like over the top. And I'm sure it's very challenging to be asked to create an alien and an alien's emotional responses. Uh, so I'll give him a bit of a pass on that. Uh, that th- this, this conversation here is so good. If it had, if it had been you, I would have done it. That is just interesting writing. Ah, and they're right. and, and they're even tying it in, well, I mean, like both to himself as the character. And like I said, his his conception of himself as a man and a Federation citizen is that he is not the kind of person who would or could do it. Like it, it, it if nothing else, like it, like it does give credit to the idea that they really did tailor this punishment to him. How they figured this out so quickly is is a logistical one, but it makes sense. 
they 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 took from him his most basic presumptions about himself in the universe and that's just interesting and when you think about it terrifying and Bashir's response is also great and also very federationy <laughs> like his his guilt is proof that he is not you know beyond redemption that there could not be a more federation idea <laughs> well you kind of have to admit that Ishar was being sort of an idiot. Yeah, why not just say, "P.S. I also have food." Why wait till till the dormancy period, right? When O'Brien's going to go to sleep, when it looks, looks the absolute like worst yeah. for you yeah. to start digging around in your stash. I mean, of course, it was all you know set up that way anyway. But yeah, I I, I get what you're saying. Well, so you can see why. Uh, someone might not feel so guilty. Yeah, yeah. They probably didn't need to do the effect of each hard dissolving. Yeah, I thought that... that eh, 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 you know, it's, it's a minor... It's not a big deal. I, I agree. I agree, but yeah. Well, simply because none of the other appearances have had any sort of effect right. involved. That, that was part of their, you know enjoyment that, that that's why they were so good okay all right you were right take the edge off the depression treat hallucinations won't take away memories Yeah, my only complaint about this episode, like uh, from a like from a general position, is they don't re they never revisit this. A and for a show for the series that eventually comes to pride itself on its you know follow up and serialized storytelling, I would have liked one or two even small nods to this. Like, I like this scene because it, it, it's a positive note, but it doesn't feel like a laugh to the credits, and it doesn't feel like a dismissal of the episode that came before it. It feels like the quietly hopeful step forward that it's supposed to be. Well, so, yeah, I think that was uh, quite good overall. Um, maybe a few things that we would have liked to have been explained a little bit further um but as a, a 45 minute drama uh it was dramatic it was really well realized there was probably a lack of maybe a little bit of comic relief it was just pretty serious from start to finish um well at least uh, i i i would much rather have no comic relief than a uh ham-fisted b-plot a b-plot would have been fatal oh yeah in this episode. yeah <laughs> absolutely um yeah but i agree with that entirely um just like some of ds9's most serious episodes uh the fact that they leave the b-plot leaves time you know to really uh look into things I'll, I'll say that there were there were times when pacing was a, a wee bit slow yeah but not not 
Disagree. Not fatally so. Yeah. Not not to the point of being excruciating. Uh, you know, but th- those are minor caveats in the scheme of things. Uh, you were saying it's a very mature, you know, adult kind of look at PTSD, depression, suicide, and I agree. You know, uh, well done. And I do think there's enough that's interesting and new. So if we want to think about the two episodes that, you know, have similar themes with the inner light, they didn't really get into the aftermath for Picard. Right. At all. Right. The story was the fantasy, you know? Um, so there never, I mean, there was only a very brief coda at the end of the episode where he clutches the flute and, you know, there's an obvious emotional attachment, but we never get to the, the treatment, you know, um, you know, or like how he misses the woman he loves. Right. <laughs> right. And his children and stuff like that, uh, which the inner light is a great episode. And there's no two ways about it. It's a great sci-fi story, uh, but maybe it should have been a two parter. I don't know. I don't know if you could have a whole hour, uh, with just the aftermath, uh, this, this story is kind of a mixture. You know, they give you half of the flashback and half of the present. Yeah. Where the inner light was like 85 or 90% flashback and, you know, 10% max in the present with the other characters, not with Picard because he was unconscious. Yeah. Um, you know, ex post facto, which we liked, uh, it got a bit more into the mystery stuff. A question, did Tom do the thing he was being punished for? This episode dispensed with that. It almost yeah. it didn't matter. Well, and I don't think either approach is necessarily better. Well, they were you all know? doing different things. Yeah. If, if the mystery is interesting enough, then, hey, it works. So, I, I yeah, I think this episode is different enough from ex post facto to justify its existence. Um, you know, it gets much more deeply into... Uh, the psychological effects, you know, for Tom, it seems like they uh, were able to cure it, basically, you know. And granted, it wasn't 20 years. It was just momentary, um, sort of reliving the murder kind of thing. Right. Um, which would be stressful, I'm sure, but yeah. I don't think as stressful as 20 years of captivity. Right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, a lot of great stuff, writing-wise. Um, you know, do you have any... I mean, I'll say, one of the... Especially on the rewatch, I loved the um, rest of the cast response. Everyone was, Everything was pitched very well. Um, everyone else's concern and sense of helplessness and Dr. Bashir's professionalism, like, all that was really well done. And it ramped well in terms of tension. Like, it really felt... The episode was building toward the breaking moment that we got um, in the cargo bay, and I liked that because that's you know there is a there's a build there you know there's you get more and more tense and more and more frustrated and eventually there's a breaking point that that's interesting and it arced well and yeah so like the episode earned all of its dramatic tension very well. Yeah, I gotta wonder how the actors feel about um, you know call sheet where they have a one minute scene for the week. Yeah. You know, like Terry Farrell or 
you know, Sir Glafton or, um, did Odo, yeah, Odo appeared very briefly, Quark yeah. appeared very briefly. And, you know, uh, Armin Shimmerman especially did a good job, uh, you know, with just the look, you know, the look he had on his face. Um, you know, but it's a very uh, O'Brien-heavy episode, obviously. And the only other characters who really get significant screen time are Bashir, Keiko, and Ichar. Yeah. Um, which... Yeah, it still worked. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Acting-wise, you know... Jesus. I mean, and watching him crying in the cargo bay, it just still gets me. It's just... It's so genuine and, you know, unaffected acting. It's just... He, he really is an amazing actor. I mean, there's a reason we keep doing this to O'Brien, because we always feel it. <laughs> like, we know he'll give us something worthwhile. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, the writers certainly pay attention to what the actors can do and then start writing to that. Um, you know, uh, the actor uh, Craig Wasson, who played Echar, was good. Yeah. But I don't think he was given anything particularly great to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was supposed he, to be almost too nice to be real, which, of course, it turns out he wasn't. Um but yeah, I thought he did fine with it. And it, he, he did a good job with the um, hallucination scenes. But this was also a really good show for Bashir and for Keiko. Yeah, yeah. Like every th- and and the, the relationships were mined well. The acting choices were all beautiful. Like, uh, yeah, just... Yeah, yeah no there, there were no bum notes uh, in the entire show, acting-wise. And, uh, you know, production... Uh, I thought this all looked nice. Yeah. The rest of the show is really a bottle episode. Um, you know, it, it was but, very claustrophobic, though, which I like. There was, like, the cargo bay and the, um, like, Jeffrey's tube intersection. Everything felt very, you know, even back on the station, they kept finding places where O'Brien was, you know, penned in. Or, like, the crowd of quarks felt, you know, denser than normal. Like, the, a, lot, a lot of small choices really gave a claustrophobia to the episode which i thought was was successful yeah um you know the the direction uh was noticeable for its effectiveness not for being over the top but you know the way that you know we talked about the hallway scene yeah but also the way that the the cuts were edited you know between the present day and the flashback um yeah it was just really well done so i don't see an argument for anything but a five here. Yeah, I, I agree. This, this is top ten percent Star yeah. Trek. I mean, yeah. it tells a good sci-fi story. It tells a good character story. It's well acted. And it's well produced. It's uh, pretty much an open and shut case. Yeah, I mean this this may not be one I go back to to rewatch recreationally that often because it is so. Just, well, it's know, it's a very dark. It's subject. a downer, <laughs> but it's a good episode. You know, it's just it's a. Really good episode, uh, yeah. So I, 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 I completely agree with the five. Uh, in fact, I would say, you know, if we take a look at uh, season four, I mean, what have been our greatest episodes thus far? We've had the visitor. Visitor, of course, was terrific. Um, you know, uh, Homefront and Paradise Lost were quite enjoyable. Yeah, we liked uh, the Warrior. 
yeah, you know, it was a good intro to the season. Um, but really, uh, this may be the best episode of the season. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's, think... yeah, it's one of the best of the series. Like, like I, I, I kind of enjoy rewatching The Visitor more because that particular kind of, you know, sadness is a little more enjoyable in a melodramatic way. This is just, uh, like, Jesus, I, I need a drink and to go outside and to call a friend and you know like like remind myself that there is there are nice things in the world but this is a very this is a really good episode it just it fires on all cylinders yeah well i mean the visitor and uh this episode are, are going for different themes you know one is showing us what love is and the other is showing us uh what pain is. yeah you know? <laughs> so uh <laughs> it is a very different feeling even though there is plenty of pain in the visitor and there's plenty of love in hard time um you know the overall sort of takeaway is different yeah um you know it's uh do i think this is a story that only ds9 can tell i I think it should be obvious that it's not uh because we have two substantially similar episodes from two different star trek series is the kind of story that only star trek can tell that may be, uh, you know, there aren't many other series that have the ability to explore these sorts of, um, you know, science fiction versions of psychological questions. Uh, yeah, I, I think like Battlestar Galactica could get pretty close with a, with a similar style story, though the <laughs> that was not imagined psychological trauma. That was just straight up trauma. Well, or it would, might be within a Cylon, you know, like implanting memories in a Cylon or right. something. Um, and none of those stories were done as well as this one, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, especially season four. Um, sorry, Ron Moore. You know, we think you're great, but man, even you have to admit that BSG went off the rails. Um, yeah, you know, I don't, maybe I hesitate to mention it because of the negative association, but maybe something like fringe, uh, or the the X Files might be able to do yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, the X this would be right up the X Files alley. Um, I, I think the the more you know serialized nature of that, they're the you know more episodic like every week a different mystery might uh, rob it of a little of the character heft. But uh, yeah. Well, and I didn't feel that the theme that they went for with have humans evolved to the point of not being violent. Uh, I don't feel like that was too much of a stretch. I mean, it, it no. fit organically with the story. So, I, you know, I really like this as a Star Trek story. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's certainly a bit darker than most. Uh, it's, it's darker territory than most. Um, and But it's... If you, we try to think about what the other dark psychological episodes are... You know, I hate to mention it, but Dark Page has to be one of them, um, which was just horrendous. Uh, frame of mind, mind, yeah. You know, which was quite good. Um, other than that, you know, this is pretty much the darkest territory, the darkest emotional territory yeah. that I can recall. Uh, existing in the franchise so well, far. Like, if nothing else, chain, chain of command. Yeah, I was about to say chain of command. 
like, it, well, Chain of Command kind of had the same thing. We explored the thing in Chain of Command, not the after effects of the thing in, in as much uh, intimate detail. This really, like, you know, in other Star Trek stories, like, especially like the original series, like, you know, Kirk in particular was kind of good at shaking off the, you know, long-term negative emotional impacts of things. That was part of his, you know, awesomeness of being captain. But it's just like following up. Well, I up, think it was part of the ethos of the time. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, not, yeah, it's not a criticism. It's just a, you know, just an observation. But I, I think... A, a man is supposed to be able to turn off his emotions. Right. So <laughs> I, I think exploring the consequences of these events in detail is something we don't do a lot of. Uh, family is another episode which you know covers yeah. somewhat similar post-traumatic grounds yeah but this is a more in-depth uh investigation of it because of course family had multiple vignettes yeah um you know i think this story is a very 90s consciousness raising kind yeah. of story. yeah yeah you know we're gonna tell you about how people react to negative things and why you should have sympathy for them, you know, and I think it's very effective, you know. Yeah. So I, it's a message show uh, in in the way that many of the best Star Trek episodes are. And you know, also like has, the best Star Trek, it's a it's a light hand at the message that yeah. no one no one ever stares at the camera and you know talks to the Will audience. Will you about, be like, good to someone with PTSD? Right, right. Or? No, it's never. Yeah, never goes off the rails there. So yeah, really. Yeah, I have. Other than the the fade out, the fade out of the uh, of Echar and maybe a slight pacing issue in a few places, there's there's really nothing wrong with this episode. Yeah, it's it's nearly perfect. Well, it's it's not absolutely perfect, but it's nearly perfect, and it's certainly in the top ten percent. Yeah, Deep Space Nine. So, um, yeah, that's ten. I think it, it's well earned. All right, um, we'll, we'll see you for the next podcast uh, here at Babble, and uh, everyone, you have a good night. Okay, live long and prosper.